0: I've entitled our talk today knowing my resources as I step into the coming year. Let's pray. Father, may my words, may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight. Father, may we each live here thinking more about who we are in your sight, able, equipped and looking forward to walking with you through the coming year. Amen. Each of us has been given life to worship and to glorify God. He's not an impotent character, Rather, the God we serve is a huge, massive God. The one true God who stands apart from any and all others because he is from eternity and for all time. A God of glory, but also a God of immeasurable grace. The heavens reveal a little of the glory and the splendour of God, All we have to do is look up at night when there's no clouds to see the stars and what seems like a vast expanse of glittering stars and if we ponder who put them there and who keeps it all going we come to the Lord of glory and we realise something of the majesty of the capability of the Lord of glory. The God of the universe who told Job that he holds the stars in the palm of his hand. We see it as large. But I read that the Whirlpool galaxy is 31 million light years away. That's just one of those little dots out there that's shining on us. And when you know that one light year is 5.88 trillion miles and there's 300 billion stars in that one galaxy and it's one of hundreds of billions of galaxies in the known universe, how it's calculated I don't know. But as the telescopes and the abilities to discover things improve, no man has come to the end of what they're finding out that God has placed there. This is the God that we serve, the God who has chosen us to be his people. Psalm 33 tells us, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth, part of his creation. This is the God who is behind all of scripture, And it's why the Bible is worth translating for every language on earth where people are speaking that language. And it's why we should take it seriously. As we approach his word today, the first day of 2012, reading from the book of Ephesians, let's consider it together to see what we can learn about God, to learn of his care and his plan for our lives, and to apply what we learn today to make a difference, not only to our lives, but to those who still don't know him. Let's consider what we can learn and apply it to our lives as we serve the Lord. This is a letter that was <coughs> excuse me written to Christians in Ephesus who Paul refers to as saints. Men and women who loved the Lord. Paul's goal was to equip and to train and to motivate them towards living lives appropriate to their status as saints, which was and is for us, as Calvin says, appointed to life before we were born. God was wonderfully merciful to them, as he is to us. And Paul sought to stimulate them to be effective in their life, in the way they live as his people, and their efforts to bring others towards Christ. God's plan was for them not only to survive in an ungodly world around about them, but to live effectively for him, no matter what they faced. (coughs) they need to understand as we need to understand God's call on us his purpose for us and the future that he plans for us Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego walked with God and they were men who God used in pagan Babylon because they trusted him and they lived exemplary lives focused on God's purposes as they worked. Their lives weren't just about surviving in Babylon, but their lives were about being God's people, being his witness in the pagan society there. Their understanding of God's purpose for them in their situation was crucial, and so was a right attitude to support their determination to live for him just as it is today too. Paul begins this chapter with praise to God for salvation. And as he does, he speaks to the Christians about who God is and what they can expectantly anticipate as benefits of committing themselves to him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Just imagine for a moment that you're entering a sacred place of worship in hushed silence. Christ is going to let us enter into his holy presence. The door opens into the spacious ante room where we read upon the walls our standing with God. Through Christ Jesus. (coughs) Blessed with all spiritual blessings, chosen in Him before the foundation of the earth, holy and without blame before Him in love, accepted in the Beloved. God is the source, the cause, the giver of what we've received as His people or what we need to urgently listen to and accept if we haven't yet committed ourselves to him. And we read, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. You note, know, God has chosen us. It's not something we have done. It's not our brilliant idea to find a God. We are responding to God who has chosen us. The God who wants us to have these rich spiritual blessings. This is what's on offer for recognising who Christ is. Acknowledging what he has done for each and every person and accepting his sacrifice for our sin too. What a wonderful blessing to know when we've confessed our sins to Christ, it is forgiven. To know how we can get out of darkness and live in the light. To have a position as a son or daughter of God and an inheritance as heirs. The quality of life that is grounded in fellowship with God. Being raised unto eternal life and the unimaginable wonderful future are waiting for us when we leave this earth and we're translated to heaven. In Calvin's words, God is said to bless us when he crowns our undertakings with success and in the exercise of his goodness bestows upon us happiness and prosperity. And the reason is, that our enjoyment depends entirely upon God's pleasure. Christ has triumphed over the forces of the evil one, so we can look to him in faith for power to live successful lives. He chose to adopt us as his, so he must have a great purpose for us. You and I, we were chosen by God, Not just recently, but this word tells us that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. So if we realise that God has chosen and has a plan for us, let us be looking forward in faith throughout the coming year to God helping us to live pure and holy lives. Let us strive to honour him and to be people on whom he bestows happiness and prosperity in its many forms. To have wisdom, to have understanding and discernment, health, the provision of necessary finances, and the capacity to be free from anxiety and be gracious towards others so that we can more effectively radiate his glory and point to others. There is a God who is special, who works in the lives of his people. Verses 7 to 10 continue to clearly address our status before God, who we really are. We're created with a purpose and a wonderful eternal future. We're not meant to be people always struggling with life and hoping to cope, although that will likely occur from time to time. Let us expectantly look to the Lord to help us. And when he does, remember to thank him. I don't know about you, but have you seen a car coming for you on the road and for some reason it takes away, it, it turns off? We were down at Phillip Island and a taxi started pulling out and I swerved and fortunately there was just enough room. But after that I thought, thank you, Lord. Who was I? We're redeemed. Our sins are forgiven. Christ brought us back, freeing us from slavery to evil. Because our sins have been forgiven, we can and we should rejoice freely in God's goodness. We're told that he lavished his grace and favour on us when we didn't deserve anything. All us are part of his plan. We are brought into his family. We have received an inheritance from God because of what Christ did. So let's fix our beliefs firmly on what we have because of what God has done and consider how this will help us to live with confidence. Our attitude is a key. God loves us. God is reliable He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We are a part of his work and what he is doing. We are chosen to fulfil his purpose. So we act, not alone, but relying on him, expecting to see his hand moving things in his way. We act in faith. We step out in anticipation. And we find that the Lord already has doors open so that our availability and our efforts can make a difference for His kingdom. The challenge is are we aware? Are we listening? Are we ready to step through those doors? Have you ever had the sense of the Lord prompting you to pray for someone or something? to act or not to act, or to go to a place or to avoid a place. He certainly does this from time to time when we're about his business. Not every day. I'm not saying that. But there are times when many people I know of have been prompted by God to pray, as I have myself, as you probably have too. Remember The Lord will never prompt us to act contrary to the clear teaching of Scripture. However, as I find myself, the challenge is often to have the courage to step out when to do so will potentially polarise us from our community, embarrass us, imperil our safety, or as is quite likely, take up time we didn't think we could spare. Then, when we do have the courage to act. We see clearly that there was a purpose behind it and God gives us joy as we realise we're a small part of what he's doing in the world around about us, including here in Australia. Ephesians one to 11-14 tells us that we were chosen as a part of God's plan, having been predestined by God and were included in Christ when we heard the gospel, the word of truth. And we're told that after believing we were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. It was important that the Christians in Ephesus knew who they were in Christ, where they stand with God, and know they have a sure inheritance just as it is important for us today. As I mentioned, Paul is writing from prison, possibly in Rome, and he's aware of the possibility of imminent persecution and the need for the church to be a good witness in society. So he's writing to encourage them and enable them to stand firm as a part of God's team on the ground, as it were. Likewise today, as we see... The year gone by, with the increase of godlessness, anti-Christian actions and attitudes becoming more pervasive, we need, too, to deepen our relationship and our walk with God because he is the one who will keep us firm and focused. Verses 15 to 19 says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he has called. I want you to realise what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. I understand this to be saying that Paul was praying that God would give the Ephesians spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they would grow to know God better and be able to live in the power that he gives, in the power that he gives people who know who they are in Christ, experiencing the difference that he makes as they live and facing the issues standing up for him. Are there folk who you see and marvel at by any chance? as I have. You see them and you see what God's doing through them. People who seem to be living with a little added assistance, an extra dimension to their power. Paul tells us that there is a power available for those of us who believe. So we should be looking to avail ourselves of it as we live for God. I find it exciting to speak to a friend and to learn all that God is doing through him. He faces many battles and many challenges living in a farming community. He says his challenge is to stay in love and to avoid dissension so he can continually be in tune with God and what God has for him and to experience God's protection from the evil one. We're told in verses 19 and 20 that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Ryrie among others say that the right hand is a figure for the place of honour and sovereign power. And we read of it in Ephesians 2.6, where it says that God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul was seeing the reality of God's people being in this position, seated in Christ, seated with Christ, even when they were physically still living on earth because of their position as redeemed saints. It's like something that we're living out now, but our promised and effective position is beside Christ. Many Christians somewhat glibly refer to living in a fallen world. However, when we're involved in spiritual ministry, whether we realise we're in a spiritual battle or not, we should realise it's very likely that we are and look to Christ for his protection and power to overcome any battles that seem to be blocking us much happens in the spirit world connected with the powers of darkness and in the spirit world connected with God and his son Jesus we saw this in PNG and the people's stories keep talking about it in fact This is the common understanding of many of God's people around the world whose life before Christ was dominated, if not ruled, by the fear of malevolent spirits. Paul Hebert, a Christian missiologist, points out in his paper, The Floor of the Excluded Middle, that the way we look at life is compartmentalised. Whereas for many people who are living with the realisation that the spirit world is a part of what they're doing, there's a tendency for it to be a continuum. We need to realise that as saints, we're not in a defeated position. But we can ask Christ in faith to affect his power on our behalf as we stand for him and his ways. We need to remember that whatever we become aware of that happens in darkness... Christ has the power to overcome every such battle when we rely on him. If we try to tackle spiritual opposition without relying on him or to act for us, we'll be overcome. But through him, we have access to all that we need for what he asks us to do. Often the battle occurs through prayer. So as God's people, we need to be alert for his spirit prompting us to pray, even when we may not know any details. I wonder have you woken up at night and been burdened to pray for someone? In a story by J. Oswald Sanders, he says he was travelling on horseback in central China with Mr Fred Mitchell in nineteen forty seven. They arrived at a spot that was notorious as a robber hideout. The missionary accompanying them was keeping a sharp lookout. Suddenly they came upon a body lying beside the path. The victim was obviously not long dead. The brigands had been at work. Sometime later he received a letter from his wife asking whether they'd been in any danger on a date and a time she named. On that particular night... She had been suddenly awakened with a strong impression that he was in danger. She rose and prayed until a burden lifted and peace returned. He said on consulting my diary, I discovered that this midnight prayer synchronised with the time we were passing through the robber infested area. God heard and answered the prayer for the safety of his servants. We read in verse 22. God placed all things under Christ's feet. Christ is superior. He has won the battle and his name is higher, more powerful, even if it appears we're still in a battle raging around about us. He, Christ, is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title or name that can be given, not only in the present age but also in the one to come, for he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. These words indicate the rabbinic thinking of the time where they saw different orders of angels and powers. We know that no power is greater than or even equal to God's power, that his people have access to Christ. So the darker the things you see, experience or become aware of, Christ's power to overcome is far greater. It's not a battle of equals, but Christ is the overcomer. When being asked about spiritual warfare, a part of life in PNG, Reverend Philip Jensen, who was a visiting speaker many years ago at Hukarumpa, exhorted us to keep the empty cross in focus. Christ has overcome the evil of the world. As we walk with the Lord at all times, the empty cross, the resurrected Lord, must be our basis for living, must be our basis for understanding things, realising that the Lord has a purpose and he has power to work through us. One of the things that I reflected on it at Christmas. I wonder if you read the, the account of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary to tell her she was going to become the mother of Jesus. I wonder, did you reflect on her answer? She acted, trusting totally in God, just as all the heroes of the Old Testament did. Luke one thirty eight tells us, Mary responded, I am this Lord's servant and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. Remember, she was a young girl, young teenager, engaged to be married, as was the custom of that time. When one day the angel Gabriel suddenly appeared to visit her with a greeting, with affirmations and a startling prophecy. She responded in an amazing way, with trust, even though what she was being asked to do broke with tradition. was a major clash with culture and with belief and expectations of those around about her and the potential of severe punishment. But Mary trusted God, so when his angel came, she was open and willing to submit herself to the Lord and trusted him to deal with the consequences. And he did, miraculously. So even though it wasn't easy, Mary fulfilled a key role in history because she trusted God. God is working in many ways today too, all around the world. He's involving his people, calling them to serve him, testing their belief in him, testing their trust in him, and engaging them, often in life-changing ways, as he works out his purposes. Does he want you to be involved in that in the coming year? Are you ready for challenges from God in the year ahead? Let's reflect on what he says about us. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God For he chose us from the beginning and all things happen just as he decided long ago. And when you believed in Christ he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he has called. I want you to realise what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Are you aware? Do you know? that if you are trusting Christ as your Saviour and your Lord, that you are special to God. You've been chosen by him to be a part of his team to reach the world and chosen to spend eternity with him. So let each of us commit ourselves to walking with him, the one who put the universe in place and keeps it there, the one who chose and cared for Mary and Joseph and cares for us today, Let's look forward expectantly to the year ahead and what God has for each of us. And as we do, let us ask him for courage, to be faithful and to be ready to respond whenever he prompts us. Let us pray. Our Father, you have called us to be your people. You have given us life. You have given us purpose. You have given us a place in your eternal kingdom. You want us to be about the work that you're about. And you've put us here for that purpose. Father, help us as we face this year and wonder what's going on to remember deep in our being in who we are that we serve you the risen almighty Lord of glory may we know and experience your love and your care and the knowledge and understanding that you are walking with us Father we look to you And we go in your strength. Amen.